Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, one of our treasured gold loopers is with us. Betsy Johnson is going to talk to us about doing the Great Loop in a smaller boat. Before I bring Betsy in, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral-level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Betsy Johnson, thank you for joining me on Great Loop Radio. Glad to be here, Kim. Thank you so much for asking me. Absolutely. We uh, appreciate you sharing your time. Um, When we started looking at budgets for the Great Loop and focusing a little bit of our January content on that, I thought, obviously, one of the ways to control the budget um, is to loop on a smaller boat. And I don't know if that's why you and Rick did it that way or not. Um, But the fact of the matter is that you did do the loop on a smaller boat and had a great experience with that. So that's why I asked you to join us and to share some of that. So tell us a little bit about your Great Loop experience. When was it? Um, Tell us about the boat, how long you took, that kind of thing. Okay, uh, yeah, Uh, we started our loop in May of 2009, and we crossed our wake 301 days later on March 14, 2010. So we took 10 months, but we did come home one time during that period for about two weeks. We left the boat at Joe Wheeler State Park in in, uh, Tennessee right after the rendezvous and came home for a couple of weeks and then went back. So our original plan actually was to take a year, which I think is what most people plan on. But the year that we did it was very cold. Everywhere that we were, in uh, in Canada, in the summertime, we nearly froze to death. And then we got <laughs> down to Florida, and uh, they had the longest cold streak that they've ever had in Florida. And so by the time we got over to the east coast of Florida, Um, we just decided to make a beeline for home because we had already done, pretty much done everything from there to our home port in in coastal North Carolina. Uh, So one of the things on our bucket list for the loop was to go to the Space Center in Titusville, and we timed it so that we could see the final nighttime launch of a space shuttle. And so once wow. we saw that, we made a beeline for home. And so instead of taking a full year, we did it in 10 months. Mm-hmm. Um, our boat Tell us about was, the uh, boat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a 2005 uh, 26-foot Glacier Bay power catamaran. Uh, the beam was eight and a half feet. We had easy access to the bow and to the stern for locks and locking. I can't say that we had a full walk around, but just the layout of the boat made it easy for us to deal with the locks and stuff. Uh, we had twin 150-horsepower Honda outboard engines, and so we could, we could get up and move in that boat. Um, the model that we had uh, had a complete hard enclosure around the helm station. I think that's pretty important. Um, and we added, when we, when we did decide to do the loop on that boat, we added a canvas enclosure around the cockpit area. And then up front, there was a cuddy cabin that had a queen-size berth, uh, as well as, of course, a marine head. Um, So even though it was a small boat, it was sort of divided up into three rooms, each one being about seven or eight foot square. 
which gave us the opportunity to get away from each other. You know, I mean, we've been married for, at that time, I think we've been married for about 40 years. And no matter how happily married you are, you do need some time to yourself. And so um, Rick could sit in the cockpit area that had the hard enclosure and he could watch TV or whatever he wanted to do. And then I could go back into the... Um, um, uh, I'm sorry, Rick said at the helm station where the power was. I could go back into the cockpit station that was enclosed with the canvas and read a book or do whatever I wanted to do, and we could get away from each other that way. So that worked well for us. Um, the boat, uh, I mentioned that it did have a marine head. It had a handheld shower, which we really never used, and so we were dependent on the facilities at marinas. Um, I've, I've threatened to write a book called Public Bathrooms I Have Known. Some of them were wonderful, <laughs> some of them not so much. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, we had a small, I had a small alcohol uh, stovetop, which I don't think I ever used. Uh, we did have a microwave oven, and, of course, I used that every day. And we had a small toaster oven, a tiny refrigerator just big enough for milk and orange juice, and Pepsi-Colas and beer. I mean, really, what more do you need? Uh, we generally we generally ate breakfast and lunch on the boat, and we ate dinner out nearly every night. And that's pretty much the same way we lived at home. Uh, we generally, you know, eat the two daytime meals in the house, you know, light breakfast, a sandwich or something for lunch, and then go out for dinner. So that's the same thing we did on the on the loop. So. Um, so tell us a little bit, Betsy, about um, kind of uh, your cruising preferences on that boat. How fast did you tend to go? Um, it sounds like you chose marinas for the most part over anchorages. Um, you know, what was kind of the daily the daily life like aboard? Yeah. Uh, one reason that we stayed in marinas so much, well, first of all, because we had the small boat and we depended on marinas for uh, for bathroom facilities and that kind of thing. Um, uh but also, uh, we had a dog, and so we always mm-hmm. needed to get the dog on board. And, you know, we traveled a lot with um, slow trawlers. Most of the people that we traveled with, you know, were going five or six miles an hour. We could get up to almost 30 miles an hour in our boat. And so a lot of times we would wave goodbye to people in the morning as they were leaving the marina. We'd go in and get another couple hours of sleep, and then we'd pass them on our way to the next marina. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we could go slow, but that boat was, was meant to go fast. And one of the nice things about it, I know people talk about throwing out wakes and stuff, um, a catamaran uh, doesn't put out that much wake, especially when you're up on plane. And so uh, any place that we could go fast, we did. I'm sure that um, we could have saved money if we had gone slower, uh, but we really enjoyed using that boat the way it was meant to be used, which was to get up on plane and go fast. So mm-hmm. that's what we did, yeah. Why did you choose the Glacier Bay? Was it because it was a catamaran or because of the speed, or, or why was that your choice of Great Loop boat? Well, we didn't really choose that boat to do the loop in. When we bought the boat, uh, we had heard about the loop, I think, but I don't think we really had any intention of doing it. Uh, we That was the second power cat that we had had. Our first one was a 22-footer. But it didn't have the enclosed cabin. It didn't have heat and air. And so once we um, got into doing more long-range cruising with our Power Squadron friends and stuff, I mean, we went up to the Chesapeake Bay several times. 
uh, up and down the intercoastal waterway, which is where we live. So once we decided we wanted to do more long-term cruising, um, uh, we bought the 26-foot the boat, mainly because of the heat and air, not so much because we needed a bigger boat, but we, we wanted the, the creature comforts of heat and air and the hard enclosed cabin. And Rick just, um, I'd been a boater all my life. I could do, I could, you know, live in just about anything. Rick just fell in love with power cats. And so that's the reason uh, we bought the first glacier bay was a power cat. And then the second one that we did the loop on was also a power cat. He thought their ride was a lot smoother. Um, People ask us why we did the loop on that small boat. and, And I think Rick sort of coined the phrase, we did it on the boat we had. I've heard other people use that phrase frequently, but I think Rick was the first one that ever said that. We did it on the boat we had. Once he decided he wanted to do that trip, you know, we had a boat that we could do it on. And so that's the reason we did it on the small boat. Um, one of the questions that uh, that you asked me to consider was whether or not there were any advantages or disadvantages on a smaller boat. I I really can't say that there were any advantages or disadvantages. Uh, we liked to go fast when we wanted to, which was often. We did our golf, cro- golf crossing um, in all daylight hours. Uh, we did a fast crossing of Lake Ontario uh, following a couple of local boaters that we met. We went from um, Oswego to uh, Alexandria Bay. Uh, we did a 117-mile crossing of Lake Michigan from Muskegon to Chicago, uh, in the daytime hours, it just took us a few hours, and, and that enabled us to get to Chicago when we wanted to. Otherwise, we would have been holed up for about a week based on, on the weather that we were looking at. So uh, those are the advantages of having a, a fast boat. Um, mm. As far as the size of the boat, uh, my favorite thing about the small boat is the outboard engines. I love outboard engines. Um, after we did the loop, we bought a larger boat with, with twin inboard diesels, and uh, I would go back to the outboards in a heartbeat. Um, with outboards, we could raise them up uh, to see if there was any damage if we happened to hit something, and we did hit things a few times. You can't help doing that. Uh, we would raise them up to get through shallow spots that other boats couldn't get through. And, of course, with a smaller trailerable boat, uh, when you're not using it, you just take it out of the water and park it in your driveway instead of paying several hundred dollars a month, uh, you know, for 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 dockage. And uh, one one nice thing when we did the loop, and some people say that as a result of this, we didn't really complete the loop. I think you've said that once or twice. <laughs> the year that we did the loop, the year that we did the loop was the year that most people were having to pay six hundred dollars to. Uh, be escorted through the carp barrier. Uh, Rick got on the internet and uh, uh, found a a Glacier Bay owner near the area where we were, and uh, that guy had the perfect trailer that we needed for our boat, which was a a a special trailer, Uh, but Rick was able to find the guy that had that trailer very near where that carp barrier was, and that guy came and picked us up on his trailer and, and, and trailered us around the carp mess and so we didn't have to pay that six hundred dollars so right. uh, maybe we didn't really do the loop i don't know <laughs> you, that and that's always been one of my favorite loop stories and i used to tease rick about not actually having finished it because you had that gap in the waterway where you were towed around but um, honestly one of the things yeah. i love about that story betsy is that it really talks about um 
how much boaters go out of their way to help each other. And, and the gentleman that um, let you use his trailer and pulled you out was not a looper, but he was a boater and he yeah. kind of came to your aid. And rather than paying the $600 to get through that cart barrier the way everyone else did, you got your toe yeah. right around it and it worked great. That's exactly right. And, 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 yeah. and, you know, you talk about wonderful people. What a great guy he was. We had cash in our pockets planning to pay him. We would have paid him $600. We just didn't like the idea of paying, you know, the towboat people $600. But we would have paid that guy anything he wanted, and he refused to take a dime. I mean, I literally tried to force money into his pocket, and he wouldn't take any money. So, yeah, they're wonderful, yeah. wonderful people. Exactly. So were there any area and a catamaran, of course, has a pretty um... – shallow draft so that's also helpful but any areas that you were able to get into that others couldn't because of deeper drafts or bigger boats uh there were one or two marinas that uh we went into tall timbers i think comes to mind um that other people were concerned about whether or not they were going to be able to get in there and we just never had that concern i can't say that we ventured off of the uh beaten path uh, very much, you know, trying to go into little coves and stuff. We didn't we didn't do that. So um, I will say that coming up, of course, the East Coast and areas like Georgia and South Carolina, uh, where there's so much shoaling, um, we were always confident that even if we did hit bottom, we could raise the engines up and continue on. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. in a larger boat, uh, uh, you can't do that. So um, I wouldn't. I'll never have another boat with inboard engines. I will always have outboards. Well, and, and, and Betsy speaks that from the perspective of the person on her boat who maintained the engines, right, Betsy? Well, I don't maintain the engines, no, but uh, I do most of the driving and most of the, uh, uh, you know, I did uh, all of the navigation. And uh, so if we ever hit anything, it was pretty much my fault. And uh <laughs> Oh, well, I, well, I take that back. The times that we did hit something, it was unfortunate that Rick was at the helm. So, I mean, but you know, you can't post on anybody. You know, I mean, when there's a tank in the in, in the middle of the intercoastal waterway that's not supposed to be there that fell off of a, of another vessel, and you hit that, you can I couldn't blame Rick for that. <laughs> no, yeah, I guess you can't really make that his fault. <laughs> We're gonna uh, pause for a second. Uh, play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about looping in a small boat. We'll be back in a moment. Curtis Stokes & Associates is a yacht brokerage company that specializes in great loop capable boats. Curtis Stokes is a supporter of AGLCA at the Admiral level. If you're looking to buy or sell a great loop veteran from a trusted and knowledgeable broker, visit the company on the web at curtisstokes.net. Email Curtis Stokes at CurtisStokes.net or call 954-684-0218. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Betsy Johnson, who is a gold looper, and she is sharing the details about their Great Loop adventure aboard a 26-foot Glacier Bay power catamaran. So, um, Betsy, can you share with us anything about your budget and, you know, whatever detail you're comfortable with? Um, I know you did go fast, so that leads to higher fuel bills, but of course you stayed at marinas in a 26-footer, so the dockage was less. So anything you can share about budget-wise so people can start to estimate if they were to choose a boat like yours, what it might cost? Yeah. Um, We didn't really have a budget. I'm I'm not one that can live on a budget. But um, Rick is a detail man, a mathematician, and he had made projections 
on what he thought the loop would cost us, what he thought we would use in gas, what he thought the marina uh, charges would be. And it was incredible that it, it, I can't say that we looked at that a whole lot while we were traveling, but he, he had those projections and he had them written down. And at the end of the loop, it was incredible how close he was uh, on what we were going to spend. Um, we used uh, 3,920 gallons of gas. I think Rick had estimated about 3,900. Uh, in 2009, 2010, when we did the loop, the average price for gas was $3.19 a gallon. So our total fuel cost was $12,509. Now, today you could knock off a couple of thousand dollars because the price has come down. Uh, we averaged 1.5 miles per gallon. Uh, we could have done much better than that if we had gone slower. But, um, you know, it was, we, we did it the way we wanted to do it. As I mentioned before, we spent every night in the marina with the exception of two uh, nights we rafted up when we were, you know, on the on the rivers, areas where there just aren't marinas and you've got that long stretch that uh, that you have to go. So we rafted up two nights in a row. And so we spent 299 nights docked in marinas and we stayed in 116 different locations. Our average dockage was $32.27 a night, so just under a dollar and 30 cents a foot. And you can use those figures to see what a 35 or 45 foot boat would cost just for dockage. You could add anywhere from 13 to 23 or 24, $25 per day uh, for your dockage, and you multiply that by 300 days, and you've got thousands, thousands more dollars that you're going to spend on dockage than we did in our 26 foot boat. It's interesting that marinas charge by the foot. You know, I'm an RVer now, and RVers don't charge by the foot. They charge by the space, which makes a whole lot more sense. But uh, in a boat, they're charging you by the foot. So the shorter your boat is, the better off you are. Um, yeah, so. um, is there anything else that you... I'm sorry, well, go let ahead. Let me mention one more thing. While, while we're talking about the, the figures and stuff, um, we do have a web page. It is still up there. I haven't put anything on it in several years, but the web page is still available, and it shows exactly what Rick's projections were, exactly where we went, what we did, um, and what our final figures were as far as um, dockage, mileage, dollars that we spent on, on gas and, 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 and dockage. Um, when he was making his projections, he did not figure in the cost of food because the way we looked at it is you use food whether you're cruising or not. So, uh, But our webpage is www.betsyrick.com and it is still available for people to look at. It has pictures of the boat. Um, our, our, our whole blog is on there. We kept a very detailed blog that uh, seemed to be very popular. We had people all over the country um, looking at it and um, so people can go on that web page and, uh, and click on the links and see anything that they want to see about our trip. Thanks for bringing that up, Betsy, because it is a great resource. It's a great site with lots of detail. And as you said, Rick's yeah. budget projections as well as what you actually spent. So that'll be very helpful to people. So thank you for directing yeah. them there. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you feel like perhaps you missed out on by not having a larger mm-hmm. boat? Uh, no, I, I really don't think we missed out on anything. Uh, the main reason I say that is the loop 
is about the places that you visit and the people that you meet, and it's not really about the size of boat that you have. Uh, any entertaining that was done, of course, we, we didn't have a bit boat that was big enough to entertain on, but other people, even people that had boats twice the size of ours, we did our, our visiting and our camaraderie and all was at dockside. You know, it was, it was on the dock, um, uh, and, and so I don't think we missed anything by not having a bigger boat. Um, as long as you have a boat that's big enough to carry your clothes and to sleep on comfortably and to stay dry in and, you know, warm or cool, uh, I think you're good. Um, there's been a lot of conversation uh, on, on the um, um, the daily. On the forum. What do you call it? On, on the forum, the forum. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, about paper charts and that kind of thing. We had with us every single paper chart that we needed for the entire loop. We had that with us on our 26-foot boat. We had two personal computers. We had two VHF radios. Uh, we had everything that you needed to do the loop on, and we were very comfortable. And so, no, I don't think we missed out on anything by, by having that small boat. Mm-hmm. And you did yeah. mention earlier that you purchased a larger boat after the loop. What was the reason for that? Was there a different type of cruising yeah. you wanted to do? <laughs> Well, uh, we thought that we might do the loop again. I think a lot of people, you know, once they do it the first time, they think, oh, we missed some things the first go-round, let's do it again. And and we had that same thought. And a larger boat, a 36-foot uh, power cat came available uh, not too far from where we live. And so we went ahead and bought it, planning to do the loop again. And mm-hmm. Uh, we actually started the loop again. I guess that was in maybe 2015 or 2014, maybe. I, I don't remember exactly when. And uh, we got as far as uh, Annapolis. We live in North Carolina. So, you know, we were maybe a month in. And we started having problems with the boat. And uh, we just kind of got fed up with it. And somewhere along the way we said, you know, we've done it. We don't really need to do it again. There are other things in the world that we want to see. Rick had always said that he wanted to see Mount Rushmore, and you can't get there by boat. So we mm-hmm. sold that boat and um, and really never looked back. And in the meantime, we had also sold the Glacier Bay, which in retrospect I wish we had not. Uh, but we sold that boat and we bought an RV. Uh, and I'll point out that the RV that we bought, is it was also smaller uh, for the kind of extensive traveling that Rick and I enjoyed. It was smaller than most of the RVs that we travel with. Um, but it, we, we, we did enjoy the RV very much. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you know, most, most people know, I think, that Rick died very, very suddenly last summer of a massive pulmonary embolism uh, while we were retracing the Lewis and Clark Trail heading out to Oregon. And I had to th- rethink what my future was going to be. And sitting at home and mourning his loss was, was never an option. I just have to... I have to go. I have to go. And so I sold the RV pretty quickly, and I really, really thought seriously about buying another boat and doing the loop single-handed. And I have not totally ruled that out. Um, but it just seemed to make more sense for me to uh, to get a, a, a smaller RV, something that I could handle easily myself. And so that's what I have now. Uh, over Thanksgiving, I went down to Florida and bought a 21-foot Class B RV, which is, uh, to me, it's strictly a one-person, one-dog RV. And I already have some plans uh, to do some East Coast trips this summer. And next fall, I'm heading out to 
Albuquerque, New Mexico for the International Hot Air Balloon Festival. And these are things that you can't do on a boat. Um, But one thing that I do want to say to people that are listening that are thinking about doing the loop and putting it off for whatever reason, don't do that. Uh, My personal experience is you are not guaranteed tomorrow. Uh, You know, know, Kim, that Rick was a, a big, healthy, strapping guy and had virtually no health problems. And uh, and then, you know, one hour he was fine and the next hour he was dead. So you need to do these things while you have them on your mind, while you want to. Don't put them off for a couple of years. Uh, you know, just go ahead and do it. So, yeah. Most definitely. And, and since you brought up Rick's passing, Betsy, um, it was certainly a loss for all of the Looper community. And Rick and Betsy had presented at several of the AGLCA rendezvous and volunteered um, constantly to do whatever was needed to be done. And we certainly appreciate both of you for that. And, and Rick will continue to be missed for a long time by loopers. And it was, it was nice to see the looper family kind of gather around you during that time too. Um, But it's also great to hear that you would consider. Go ahead, Betsy. Several several loopers uh, came way out of their way to come to his memorial service, which was a joyful, joyful occasion. And um, so I'm, I'm doing real well. And, uh, uh, people of uh, the people that are around me know that I'm doing okay, and uh, I'm happy to talk about our loop. I'm happy to talk about what happened to Rick. If anybody has any questions um, about that or about how I'm doing or how I'm dealing with it, uh, feel free to call me. But I just knew I had to go on, and um, you know I, I would love to do the loop again. And if I had that Glacier Bay, I would probably be on the loop right now. And I haven't totally ruled it out. Uh, but in the meantime, there are other things in this wonderful, wonderful country of ours that uh, that I'm going to be seeing on the RV. Yeah. So. Well, and it's great to hear that you're exploring other things, and hopefully you'll get to see some of your Looper friends on the East Coast trip. Um, so if you were, Betsy, to have the opportunity to do the Great Loop again, what would be your dream boat to do it aboard? <laughs> uh, something small. Uh, mm-hmm. I would, you know, I, I would love to do it single-handed. Um, most people that know me, that knew Rick and me on the loop, they know that I was usually the one at the helm. I'm the, I was always the boater in the family. Uh, Rick was the detail man. He's the one that kept the log, kept the blog. Uh, but I did the driving and I did the planning, and uh, so I know I could do it as a single woman. So I would want something that was small, easy for me to handle by myself. Uh, my one absolute uh, requirement, I think, would be uh, twin engines. I'm, I'm, I'm real set on having twin engines. Um, but, I, you know, I would absolutely do it again. Uh, and if I still had that Glacier Bay, as I said, uh, I'd probably be uh, – where would I be this time of year? Down in Florida, I guess. Right. I think it's pretty cold in Florida. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would I would definitely think about doing it again. And the Glacier Bay, um, you know, I've, I've thought about other small boats, uh, but the Glacier Bay for us was the perfect boat. Uh, so seaworthy, uh, you know, I had 100% confidence in the boat, and uh, and I would do it again in that boat. Yeah. Excellent, Betsy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing the details of your Great Loop adventure. Well, thank you, Kim, and I look forward to seeing you sometime in the near future. Maybe the spring rendezvous. You never know. Uh, I've got the RV now. I can go anywhere I want. The RV is not a whole lot bigger than a pickup truck, 
And uh, so I can park it just about anywhere I want to, and uh, it has everything I need. When I was down in Florida uh, over Thanksgiving, I stayed in the driveways of three of my boating friends. So um, I'm staying in touch with the loopers and with other boating friends that I've had. And, uh, you know, a, a driveway is a great place for me to just pull into. And if I can come in and use your shower, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is great. Hopefully we will see you then, Betsy, at the Spring Rendezvous. Okay. Um, to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Mm-hmm.